Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Ed Tech Bites. Mike Cecere, Kelly Perderi, and Kimberly Landtroop here, ready to dive into everything related to the world of education and educational technology. Follow us on Twitter at DCPS EdTechBytes to join the conversation. Speaking of conversation, Kelly and Kim, how are you guys doing today? I am doing great. I had a really exciting week. I went on a girl's trip last weekend to Charleston, girl's which was trip. really fun. I rode a mechanical bull for the first time, so that was awesome. And then and have the marks prove it. I do. My arm is a little black and blue. And a then... little bit. <laughs> no, it is entirely blue. It's like if you went into a batting cage and just got hit with the balls in your arm. Yeah. I bruise really easily. But I rode that thing like a champ. So, I could never. I feel like I'd fly off that thing so quick. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. And then I came back and had to turn around and I do some consulting work on the side. So I flew out to Gallup, New Mexico to train some middle school teachers on how to support their buildings with technology. So it was a great trip, but I'm super tired today. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I'm tired too, but have no reason really to be. <laughs> um, normal week, uh, normal bedtimes. I am drinking some... Um, delicious uh, Starbucks that Mike went and picked up for us. So that's a nice little pick-me-up for the afternoon. Yeah, Absolutely. Very, very necessary before any podcast to get yourself a little bit hyped to be yeah. in the studio, yeah. you know, just to get ready. awake. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited this weekend I get to go to the, the Jag team slash Giants game, which is, I'm more excited for the latter, the Giants part. Um, <laughs> huge Giants fan. Very, very excited. My first actual football game in probably a couple years. I don't think, yeah, I've, wow. I don't think I've been to a Jags game in a while. Because they're so terrible to watch. Oh, true. Yeah. Well, the Giants have been terrible to watch for a long time, and now this year they're actually doing well. Yeah. My dad has not stopped taunting me all week long that the Jags are coming and they're going to beat us. <laughs> yeah, so, my my dad actually starts talking to me about the Giants because they've been good. Um, in the years past, they're like the forgotten child. He just uh, doesn't bring it up. But now it's like, Mike, did you see that game? <laughs> How about them G-men? Um, but anyway, we have a great show for you guys today, starting with our appetizer. As always, we're going to actually talk about some questions to consider when adopting tech in your schools or your classrooms. We're going to move on to our main course. We're going to jump into the next 21 CLD skill, which is self-regulation. And finally, we're going to wrap up with our dessert segment where we're going to play Would You Rather with a special guest. But for right now, let's move on to the appetizer. For today's appetizer, we're going to be discussing a very common question by educators and school leaders, and that is how do we know what technology should be used in our classrooms and schools? So the answering the what of the technology piece. And to help answer this question, we're going to be looking at an article that's published by Education Week that lists seven questions district and school leaders should ask when deciding what tech products to keep and use in their classrooms. And we also want to broaden that discussion to include what uh, questions teachers should ask when considering tech tools in their lessons, because we know that probably the most people that listen are teachers. So we want to make sure that as a teacher, you're kind of debating on how do I introduce certain tools? Why should I use certain tools versus others? And that's kind of the thing that we want to think about today, what questions you should consider when making these decisions. So starting with the first one on the list from the article, and th this one, I think a lot of teachers actually do think about as well, mm -hmm. which is does the technology application or tool, does it meet certain state privacy laws? I know that with social media, a lot of teachers are afraid to use social media in classroom because mm -hmm. there's privacy issues. And even just generally, um, I know for, for me, I used a, an app called Remind. Mm -hmm. And that one was great because it really didn't have anything to do with what the student was going to enter in. It was just 
they had their school email, you have yours, and then it was a communication device between the two without anything else involved. So it kind of left all that privacy out of right. it. And all you see is their the name. You don't see their, if they use a phone number, you don't see what that phone number is. So exactly. Data. Yeah. And we don't want tools that use student data because we don't want them harvesting that data. We don't want to be responsible for that data. So these are some things that we need to consider when talking about these tools. Right. And I think a lot of, because we've had that brought up in some of the, the courses that we run with the Innovative Educator Program, and people bringing up that concern, like with Wakelet and Flipgrid, uh -huh. what are the privacy and safety things that they follow? And I feel like they do a pretty good job, maybe not at first, but now they've done a pretty good job really displaying that on their informational part of their websites. Absolutely. Letting them, letting you know what the safety requirements are. And like for a, a, at least Wakelet, students can't even really access it except in a collaborative way. Like they can't go and create their own unless they're over the age of 13. So the next one on the list is asking about accessibility features. And we know that that is something that's becoming more and more popular within a lot of the applications. We're seeing immersive reader, we're seeing captions, we're seeing translation, and those are all such important things. And they're not necessarily for kids that just have disabilities. They will make learning accessible for all people. So I think that's a really important feature that a lot of platforms are now trying to put out there as well. And for school districts, it's thinking through, if I'm going to spend up for licensing for this tool or this application, how far reaching is this application? Is it going to hit all students? Is it targeting towards a specific group? Mm -hmm. And if you look at these Microsoft tools, they can touch every single student, whether it's a low achiever, high achiever, middle of the road, um, people that have special needs or not. And that's what makes the suite of Microsoft so nice. And Google does a good job of this too, especially now with like Moat and some of the other things that are coming, coming out with. So just thinking through the accessibility features when you're deciding on which application to maybe try out, Go for the ones that have that wide reach. Right. I think with um, now that so much of curriculum is going to online platforms, this is where that kind of gets tricky from a district specialist, especially in curriculum. So you're looking at the curriculum itself and not necessarily those other tools that are available on those platforms. But it's a really important thing to be considering because some of those platforms are integrating Read Aloud and some of those extra features and others aren't. Um, so that should be one of those contributing factors when you're analyzing the different platforms for curriculum and not just technology. And I think from our perspective as well, having been on both sides, been I've been a content specialist for math and now I'm on the technology side of it. I think that's why it's so important that we communicate mm -hmm. across all the different areas within the school system, because you're right. They When we were on the math team and we were looking at new standards and new curriculum, we were just focusing on the math. Is this really hitting the standards? Right. So, which is important. It right. needs to be. Obviously. And that's what but, the math people yeah. do that. And then we have us who can also look at those other things as well. Yeah. So another thing, uh, another one of the questions is, will it work with the district's hardware and software? And this one I think is really tricky from a teacher point of view, because we, you know, we search the scour the internet as educators to find engaging things. And then we want to use them and come to find out, oh, it's not going to work on my district's managed network. It's not going to work with our managed hardware. Um, so this is kind of an important one to really consider for teachers to understand how the management of your hardware works. 
because that will keep you from getting frustrated, namely. And I think from a district perspective, there's so many things that we have to consider. Cybersecurity, whether it's really, truly safe for that device to be on our network. But we do need to kind of open ourselves up to what teachers want. So I think having more collaboration with educators and finding out what they would like to have more of, which I think is really kind of one of important of Holly, our director, one of her goals is to have a focus group to interact with of teachers and students to interact with our department technology services to find out what we're doing well, what they would like to see more of to hopefully bridge some of those gaps and just create a better environment for everyone. And that goes back to our last episode where we were interviewing our CIO, Jim, and he was saying some of the things that we have out in the district now come from walking the schools and talking to the teachers and even the students. The way our blended learning is set up came from a third grader's idea. So I think that's really important to have that open communication with them too. Yeah, that actually touches on number six, which is simply do teachers like the ed tech product? Mm -hmm. It makes me think when I was in the classroom still, we had all in learning, which is the clickers. Yeah. And my kids absolutely loved all in because they got to walk in, grab the clickers. They felt like they were a part of the lesson. And then the next year, the licensing was removed and it was up to the schools to pay for that licensing. And I remember feeling really frustrated with that because it was something that got my kids excited they were really looking forward to it. And then I had this piece of technology in my classroom that I just couldn't use anymore. Yeah. So if it was up to me and I was taking a survey on that, I would have really requested for that to be a part of the district offering. And it just wasn't. So just having that conversation with teachers in connection with the district technology decision makers, I think is really important. I agree. Mm-hmm. And then for teachers to consider, this wasn't part of the article, but just to bring it back to the classroom. One thing I think as a teacher, when you're deciding on what technology to use or not use, is thinking about the student work. What are they actually producing and how do they turn it into you and how are you able to review their work? So we want to make sure that life is simpler, but it's also simpler for a purpose. So I think a lot of the applications that we use or we talk about on this podcast and we use in our day-to-day lives is to make our lives easier. And I think for students, if they're in the classroom, their product should be enhanced by the technology that they have ability to use. And it has to be able to go to the teacher and then they have to have a way to review it and provide feedback to go back to the student. Right. So something like, we're going to talk about this later today with self-regulation, something like Teams, where Mm -hmm. they can actually submit work, there's feedback involved, and they can go back to the, the student, is just such a valuable piece of technology that you just wouldn't necessarily get with other avenues. Right. And I think that's true, especially with a lot of the Microsoft Office 365 apps that we use. They all work so seamlessly together and they all incorporate into each other that it does make it simpler for the teacher. It's kind of like a one-stop shop, especially with teams and the assignments. And So a simple question that I think teachers should ask themselves when they're thinking through all these different options is, what is the benefit to my students? What is the benefit to my day-to-day work? What's the benefit to their work? Is it going to enhance their work? Is mm-hmm. it going to help them help their learning in some sort of way that is long-lasting and not just like a pop for necessarily engagement? Because that might be okay in the short term, but not in the long term. Yeah, I agree with that, especially with the feedback, the ability for students not just to see feedbacks. I know in some things, like we use Achieve 3000. And you can go and you can give feedback, but then that's it. The students can't go back and Mm -hmm. revise anything or edit anything. That's just kind of, that's the end of the line. Whereas in Teams or, you know, applications like that where there is two-way communication, it's easier to facilitate that 
acting upon feedback and not just receiving it and then moving on with your life, but actually applying that feedback is really meaningful and important. And we're going to talk about that in our main course. Speaking of, let's jump right into our main course. For our main course today, we are at skill six out of seven of 21 century learning design, which is self-regulation which means after today's episode, we only have one more domain to actually talk about. It's crazy that we're at this point already. But before we discuss this new skill, Kelly's gonna recap our previous domain, which was skilled communication. Right, so skilled communication at the very basics of it, the most fundamental parts are that we're providing opportunities for extended communication through multimodal means, which means a variety of different ways to communicate. So verbal communication, written communication, visual communication, nonverbal means. So we are providing ways where students are using not just one form of communication at one time, and they are communicating to a specific audience. So when we're designing assignments, we are keeping that in mind. So very purposeful with um, the way that we're having students communicate and to whom they are communicating to. And that brings us to what we're going to be talking about today for our main course, which is self-regulation. And self-regulation is exactly what it sounds like. It's the I feel ability... like we've said that every time. Like, it's, <laughs> that's exactly what it sounds like. And that's so true. It is true. If you and really think about what the word is. Very, pretty much cut and dry. But it's basically the ability for kids to organize, monitor, evaluate, and basically take control of their own learning. So as educators, we need to get them there by developing clear learning goals and success criteria so that our students can plan and monitor their own work. So we also need to think about, as we were talking in our appetizer, making sure we're giving the kids that feedback that's supportive of their progress. And kids need to have the opportunity also to improve their work based on that feedback. So thinking about these 21st century skills and what our students are gonna encounter in the real world, we need to help those kids be prepared to take responsibility for their lives and their work, to engage fully with their communities and work with minimal supervision. And I think this is so important because now more than ever with COVID, people have transferred to remote learning. So when you're working, not remote learning, working remotely. So when you're working remotely, you have to really be in charge of yourself and making sure you're getting those projects done and and organizing yourself. So we don't know down the road when kids are going to graduate what that's going to look like for them. But we need to be purposeful about doing that now and getting them prepared. Yeah, and I even think about our job. We work in an office, but there's not a set schedule of things we need to be doing and when we need to be doing them. We know the goals of our department and kind of some objectives, but how we go about them, we have to have the initiative to be able to do it and create those schedules and plans Mm -hmm. ourselves. So I really think no matter what you end up going into, no matter what field you end up going to, our students will end up going into, they're going to need these skills. And it's Developing them when you're an adult is way harder to be kind of thrown into the mix than having the ability to start developing those skills early on. And I think also it can be a little scary sometimes for teachers to just let kids go. So I think sometimes concerns for teachers are, you know, how much freedom do I give the kids to take control of their own learning and choose what they're going to be doing? So we've got to be really purposeful on how we schedule that in the classroom mm-hmm. um, and make sure we're creating opportunities for them to learn effectively, but yet still taking responsibility over their learning. So it's not going to be a free-for-all. You have to have rules and routines in place and really put it out there that this is the expectation of what you're going to be doing. And sometimes even when I was in the classroom, there would be moments where I would want the kids to be working on a project. 
And then they'd kind of be dragging their feet and not really starting or working too slowly. And it would get me frustrated and I'd have to reconsider, like, maybe my instructions were bad or maybe maybe I didn't really talk clearly enough when I was uh, like going over the rubrics. But it's about making sure that your kids have the steps that they need and making sure that you're working with them through those steps and having markers for when you are going to check their work right? and right. that they know when that's coming. So if you allow them to actually set their own goals, because really this is about goal setting, mm-hmm. having them be able to set their own goals, but you work with them to do so, and then make sure that you're really along for the ride mm-hmm. in getting to that point. A big struggle for me was also allowing peer-to-peer feedback because you're the teacher. So you're the one that wants to you know, mark up the paper and, and um, give some feedback for the kids so that you can make sure they're on track. But I think there's a lot to be said of structured feedback from peer to peer. If you do it in a respectful way, yeah. that's always mm-hmm. the difficulty. Like you don't want kids picking on each other. But if you can find ways, and I think rubrics is the best way to do this or a checklist so that kids can actually have like, okay, I'm going to look at this checklist for this student. And if they have these things, I'm just going to mark off the checklist. I'm not writing any other comments or giving them a grade. I'm just saying, okay, do they have this? They have this because it also helps them figure out their own project or whatever assignment they're actually working on as right. well if they're giving somebody else feedback. Yeah, and you, there are ways to do it anonymously. Like I would do anonymous peer feedback with essays mm-hmm. and they would have the checklist. And a lot of times they would be way more harsh, even with somebody they didn't know, than I would be, but yeah. like in a meaningful way, not right. like being mean, but they're trying to like, oh, I want to find something that I can tell them that they really need to fix. And <laughs> they, they like that. And I, I mean, I can't come from the land of the littles and I know you guys are obviously the land of the littles. I don't know why I like Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit, the Shire just popped them out. I was like, Kim worked to the Shire. So I used to do a lot of very informal kind of peer to peer feedback. And I would tell them, I want you to do one glow. Cause we always start with something yeah. positive that you really like. And then one grow. But I think along with the feedback is then allowing kids to go back and revise or right. try and improve on what they're doing. Cause it, Let's be honest, in the real world, like how many times is it you get one opportunity in a project you're working on and then you never come back to it? You know, it just fails miserably and you're done. (laughs) So, yeah, no, you revise and you go over and you make it better. Yeah. Like that's what I would do with essays. They would would go through a peer review before they would submit to me their even rough draft. Mm -hmm. And then I would do that final, final check. But they would revise based on their peer review and then submit to me or revise again. Yeah. Because that's where the learning happens when you go back and fix your mistakes. That's why I like that little thing. Fail is the first attempt in learning. So I always used to say to the kids, you know, it's okay if you get a lot of feedback, just think about how great it's going to make your project when you do, you know, revise and fix it. Yeah. I think another struggle for teachers too, because all of this, all the stuff that we're mentioning takes time. Right. Mm -hmm. And with a lot of these skills, I feel like that is something that has been a struggle in classrooms. Like I don't have the time to give feedback and have them revise and come back. Well, then, maybe we should be making our projects or assignments bigger or last mm-hmm. longer and not just about one specific thing or one specific standard. Because if we elongate that, then that means they're going to have time to revise and, and mm-hmm. kind of fix what they're doing and hopefully learn more. Right. And that also comes back to some of these ed tech tools. They have so many, like Kelly was talking about earlier, you know, Teams has that two-way communication. There's a lot of things built into a lot of the platforms that we use that does make it easier for the teacher to provide that feedback. Like, for example, with forms, how you can do the branching. And if they pick a certain question, it provides that feedback right then. So once you create that the first time and the kids are working through it, they're getting that automatic feedback as they go through. And being provided with forms, the opportunity to answer a similar type question after being provided the feedback. Let me try again. Yes. And teachers love automatic feedback. Let's be honest. (laughs) Automatic feedback is great. 
Uh, some other tools, I, obviously we talked about feedback in Teams for Teams assignments. I, I do want to mention, I, I talked about rubrics earlier, but rubrics in Teams is super valuable. It's mm -hmm. I think it's kind of an underused thing in Teams. I know I certainly didn't use it that often, but what's great about it is you can build the rubric in Teams. And then as you get your class and maybe multiple classes going through and using that rubric, you then can use insights to find out, okay, what classes, what percent of my classes is failing at this part of the rubric? Mm -hmm. And that gives you elements to go back and reteach or have your students go back and revisit. That's so cool. Yeah. I think it's important to note also kind of at this point now that we've talked about six of our different dimensions that not every dimension needs to be in every lesson. So, you know, if you're trying to start incorporating some of this stuff into your classroom, pick one dimension to focus on and start small and go from there. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Okay, with all that self-regulation talk out of the way, let's jump into the dessert segment. So for our dessert segment today, we want to welcome on a special guest. Her name is Ashley Rigby, and she's a part of our tech team here at Duval County Public Schools. Ashley, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So joined this team a few months ago. I was an educator in DCPS, though. I actually taught with Mike at Sandalwood for poor thing <laughs> about she she was honored right, right. blessed okay we're lying on podcast now so <laughs> I taught math for six years at Sandalwood a little bit of geometry a little bit of algebra too then I went to FLVS for a year and what is FLVS for our listeners out of Florida yes so Florida virtual school okay so you were one of those people that we talked about in our last segment working from home during COVID so you had to set your own schedule. You were self-regulated. I was. I When <laughs> I was listening to that podcast, I was like, yep, that was me. That was definitely something that's hard to do as an adult. So it's good to start teaching students that. Okay, so for today's dessert segment, we're going to be playing Would You Rather. We've done this before, um, but we've never done it with a guest. So we'll see how Ashley responds to some of these, you know, thought-provoking questions, really life challenging the important stuff the important stuff right what i'm sure that's to? what these questions are going to be oh yes um we're going to start off like we did before we're going to start off with a couple you know just fun ones and then we're going to jump into some educational ones okay. some ed tech specific some just education in general starting with and obviously this is you can answer it i'm not going to go around in a circle you can kind of just talk we can just talk through so first question would you rather be extremely notice the word extremely underdressed for every occasion <laughs> or be extremely overdressed for every occasion? <laughs> well, I'm typically underdressed most of the time, so I would just go with my uh, normal state of being. And it's more comfortable to be underdressed. Yeah. Although if I'm at a wedding, I don't want to ne necessarily be you know, in my pajamas yeah, and a t-shirt. Once we get into occasions, like for every occasion, then I would be overdressed. That's my you're coming in in a ball gown. Yeah, 100%. Because I'd be feeling myself either way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so my thought is, what is the most underdressed? And I think swimwear. Swimwear is the most underdressed you could be. So you're yeah. going to wear like... No, I would not wear yeah, swimwear. Yeah, swimwear to a wedding. I also wouldn't, like, I wouldn't wear a ball gown. But ever. what if you... what? This is like the most... Okay, so what's the most formal you've ever been? Let's start there. Weddings. I went to a ball at West Point, and that was one of the most formal things ever. Hmm. And I looked amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Um, I wore a dress from Ross for my prom. Nice. And I wore a dress from Ross for my wedding. So um, <laughs> not real fancy here. So you probably should take the formal. Why? No, I don't want to be formal. But if that's the most formal you've ever been. Not everybody likes to be formal, though. Right. And formal a lot of times is uncomfortable. It is. I didn't say I was going to be comfortable. I said I was going to look good. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I could play. I think I could play off being formal as like a joke. Versus mm-hmm. underdress, which is like rude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Jim from The Office. Remember he showed up in the tuxedo that exactly. one episode? Exactly. <laughs> yep. So that would be my, I would go overdressed. You'd go overdressed? Overdressed. Me? Okay. I'm going under. If under means bathing suit, then I would go overdressed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's the next one. Would you rather, this is, I, this one is real life. Oh, I'm scared. <laughs> would you rather own and take care of a hundred Duck-sized elephants. Oh, that would be my heaven. <laughs> or one elephant-sized duck. Oh, no. Mm. Although that's a little baby. <laughs> Think about the size of a duck. We're not talking about like miniature. We're talking about a duck's like. Where would that, you keep where store would you keep... I was gonna say. I mean, think about where you live. I mean, I'm thinking about my backyard. I do have a pool, though, and a big pond in the backyard. So maybe my elephant duck, you know. Wait, it's not an elephant duck. duck. It's an elephant sized duck. It's an elephant sized duck. Kim is just morphed into animals. I know it's not an elephant duck. I meant elephant sized duck. Could you imagine cleaning up those feathers, though? My goodness. Make a very nice down pillow. If it was a giant, yeah. (laughs) You can sew a pillow. I guess some of these options are good. They're not good. No. No, yeah. Which one's Although better? I do love elephants a lot. <laughs> I love all animals. The one big duck. You do the... For sure. One big duck. Why? Yeah. Because they just like little mini... What's the first option? A <laughs> hundred duck-sized duck duck elephants. And they all can like... <laughs> yeah, but it, would like, like, <laughs> it would be like mini... But there'd be a like, hundred more. Yeah. Like, do you want that? I and you know. can like step on them on accident. Where would you Whoa. put the ducks? Are kind of big. Oh, yeah, on a duck? you're right. I was... <laughs> How many ducks have you stepped on? The, the bathroom. She's just going around stomping them. <laughs> oh, no, it's not. A, it's not a rubber ducky. These are actual ducks. What are we doing? My decision is the big duck, just because of where I live, and I have that nice pond in the back, and I could just be friendly and take over the pond. <laughs> you could ride the big duck too. Oh, that changes things. You could ride an elephant-sized duck, and it could fly. <gasps> Wait, ducks I wanna, fly. I wanna, Some ducks do. All ducks fly. All ducks fly, Michael. Oh, what I didn't bring that up because I didn't think ducks fly. Blue. Blown. <laughs> All ducks fly because we have mean geese in our pond, and they chase the ducks and they fly out onto the side. Oh, that changes me too. Sure, like one elephant size. Let's ask yeah. this question though: Is it friendly? Because who wants to be pecked by an elephant-sized duck? I I mean, are all ducks friendly? No. Then there's no guarantee it's going to be friendly. Do you raise it from a baby? Because then it's friendly. No, it just is in your yard. It's an elephant-sized duck. One day it's just there. Yeah. (laughs) I'm still going with the duck. Mm -hmm. I don't know if marbles would love an elephant-sized duck, but we're going to give it a shot. At least it would be able to defend itself against marbles. That's true. I basically think we're asking if we want a dinosaur in our backyard. Yeah, yes. because that's what it would be. It would be a dinosaur. Kind of cool right. with that. Me too. Mm-hmm. Mm. Where can we get one of those? <laughs> I think I would choose the opposite. I would choose a hundred. 
you would duck want duck-sized elephants. A hundred little baby elephants running around when you have. I would, would have, so much I would have a pen. Oh, that's a I would have a pen, a couple pens. And I would think about the money you could make as like an attraction of having a hundred little elephants. Everybody loves elephants. They're so cute. You're a getting... duck is like this big. Yeah. That's pretty. This is the podcast. Nobody can see what size you're making. <laughs> All right. Well, a like, foot. you know, yeah, a foot, a foot, yeah, a foot, a foot and a half, maybe. Mm-hmm. So big, half, a hundred of large pins. Large. Super cute. You also hundred in your house. No, they wouldn't live in my house. They'd live in my yard. It's a lot yard. of poop to clean up. A lot. Oh, have you ever seen an elephant-sized duck poop? Let's not talk about poop. <laughs> yeah, but that's one big poop as opposed to a hundred. Okay, so you guys are all on the you guys are all on the gigantic oh, duck. Gosh. I'm on the small elephant side. Yeah, okay. I mean, I get that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, next question: Would you rather give up air conditioning and heating for the rest of your life, or give up internet for the rest of your life? Where do we live? You choose. I lived without internet once before in my life. I've never lived without air conditioning. (laughs) (laughs) And we live in Florida where it's pretty nice all year long. So I think I was so hot. 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 I do not like to sweat. No. I don't like to sweat. (laughs) I would give up internet. Yeah. I I lived a long time before the internet was even invented. (laughs) Not like you youngins. I'm looking at Ashley waiting for her response. Oh gosh. I just feel like, because places don't have AC. They literally don't have AC. So if I lived in a place that the climate was fine, I'd be like, we're fine. Although some of those places are struggling now. Yeah, and My brother-in-law true. lives in Seattle. No AC. And he's been having a rough time. There's also Do places that don't have internet. Sure. A lot of places that don't have internet. I think I would go no AC and no uh, heat because I would try to have, I, would, I, I wouldn't live the way that I live now. Mm-hmm. So my way around this is sell my house. Buy small apartments in different cities. <laughs> You're just traveling and then I would that. work remote, and That's my expensive. family would move. We would live in Every different time. cities when the weather changes. Right. And I would try to reach that seventy degrees my entire life, but I would have internet so I could work remote. Yeah. You need a job where you can work remote, though. And pay for that many in different apartments everywhere. Right. That's true, guys. You're bringing up valid valid points. <laughs> but internet is, I mean, it's the way that I access. Everything. Everything. I feel like, like TV it, too. Yeah. How could I watch like House of Dragons and all the shows? It's not happening. No books. Really. Okay. So what was our final answers? I would go without internet. Internet. Oh yeah, I'd go without internet. I want. Wait, I want I air conditioning. I would go without AC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd go. I'd go without AC too. Notice, well, you're only a little bit older than them, but I was going to say, notice the young kids are like, I will give up all sense of comfort so I can get online. <laughs> if it wasn't for my streaming TV, I probably would do it. You and know, you like, could trade trade that out to cable. Oh, God. Just like the no- old yeah, cable. Yeah, I lived a lot with antennas. I- yep. You know, we didn't have internet back then. We still watched TV. I mean, you guys act like we haven't. I had, didn't have internet until I was, I don't know. I had dial-up until maybe middle and high school. Like, I didn't have actual internet until definitely late high school in my house. I remember a world without internet. (laughs) Just not an adult world, and I don't want to go back. All right, let's move into our education-related questions. Now, these can be education or ed tech-related. So, here we go. 
Would you rather have to attend an all-staff faculty meeting at the end of every school day? <laughs> that was the response I wanted. <laughs> or have to host a parent night after every assessment? Huh. You got to deal with those parents on the kids that are not doing well. But, but it's kinda, helpful. That, I was just going to say that might make those kids work a little harder if they know their parents are coming after every test. And I did not give assessments every day. And right. That's the thought. That, that's what, <laughs> and when I'm making this question, my thought was, okay, it's not going to be every day, but I think hosting a parent, it's a night. We're talking about a night. You got to give up. It's a parent night. Yeah, but could you imagine how much that might actually change the student's work ethic and yeah. their like desire to do well on assessments instead of yeah. like, oh, my parents are never going to know about this. True. And I think it's key too, because if you see the parents on a regular basis, you form that relationship with them too. So it gets easier as time goes on. If you have those relationships, it makes it easier to have those hard conversations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good point. I was going the opposite, but maybe I was being a little <laughs> selfish. <laughs> Everyone was being so nice. Like it's for the learner. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not going I've met some of these parents. <laughs> I think maybe that just um, is a reflection of like you guys being middle school, elementary, like high school. I can't imagine parents like open house. I think we had five in attendance and I had a hundred kids, you know, so I'm not entirely sure of the turnout of that, but I like the idea of it. Yeah, I, I was going faculty meeting too, because I also was thinking positive. I know faculty meetings are the worst. They're terrible and they're usually not done well, but if it's every day. We had a, the school that we taught at was 140 teachers. Mm -hmm. 100, yeah. So getting to know other teachers, actually like building some sort of culture at the school mm -hmm. would be really nice. Like getting to know who was working around you but a little bit better. But is that what's happening at these faculty meetings? No, not necessarily. But that's only happening every cup quarter, maybe. So if yeah. it was happening every day for, you know, you I would have say, the time to. Yeah. If it was just like, you know, a little get together, we'll hang out. What's going on, guys? Maybe. Nope. I, yeah. I think I would do that rather than having to come back to the school at night. I would do pretty yeah. much anything to not do that. Okay. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Having to stay after school every day to just be around the people that are going to be cranky about being there. Mm. No, thank you. Okay. Right. So we know where Kelly is. Right. I am going to do the parent one. I'm going to do the faculty. Yeah, I'll do faculty as well. All right, next one. Would you rather have a class of students that are experts in one tech tool, like Teams or OneNote? They know everything about this tech tool. They can use it front and backwards, never ask you a question. You can also choose the tool. So you, you choose. I just put Teams and OneNote as an example. Or have a class of students that understand technology like our parents and require constant and extensive help with any technology, but you can use any tech tool. We're talking like they don't know a thing. I, I'm speaking from a place of I with my family sometimes. Yeah. yeah. They don't, you know, struggles, struggles with technology. I, mm -hmm. I was on a FaceTime with uh, my dad last night trying to fix his printer, just connecting <laughs> to the Wi-Fi. Like, dad, I think I have done this before with you uh, last week. <laughs> so think about that struggle versus the benefit of having every tech tool where you guys land. I'm not sure I understand the options. So it's either it's to them. <laughs> okay. So just think of it this way. Would you rather have your kids be experts in tech, but only one piece or know nothing and very needy and need help, um, but for everything. The lot. I taught that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But don't underestimate how much your, your students already knew. 
when you what? when you just technology in general all technology a computer being on a phone like we're talking like they don't know anything oh so like this is like, like not the kids today not the kids today we're talking about they don't know anything about what you're about to show them with technology hero you got to walk them through and how long that would take I think I would go with the expert on one, especially if we could pick for what it was. Yeah. Because you can be really efficient. So, you know, I might pick like teams because I can chat with them. I can have mm -hmm. feedback. I could, you know, there's so many things that teams does and you could hold virtual meetings. You can, you know, and do small groups. There's so many different things you could do with it. And if they're already proficient and an expert in how to use that, then you can just take what you're doing and take it to the next level. Okay. My vote. That's why I threw teams in there because I felt like it was the you know, kind of one-stop shop a little right. bit. Mm -hmm. I feel like you can, but if you, if no one was an expert, then you can just turn that into a learning experience. Like, okay, how did these students learn this tool? The other students learn another tool, and oh, they can teach themselves. Like, I think that's, that's one of the fears of teachers, too. Like, we don't have to be the experts. Right. We have to let go of that control so students learn on their own. But also think about how long that will take, and pacing is a huge issue. Yeah, we brought up there. we brought up time in every one of our That's conversations fair. on Twenty One CLD. Time mm -hmm. is an issue. It does take long. I mean, like yeah. I know when I first started using OneNote, my kids weren't really good with typing on a computer. Yeah, mm -hmm. and like these were middle schoolers, but mm -hmm. you know, some of them had special needs, and but I still got them there. It maybe took some classes a little bit, a couple extra days, or every single time for like a month, I would have to remind them of the steps to get to OneNote or get to their folder. And some, even the whole year, I had to, oh, remember you were a folder. That's okay, because that's like, you know, that's learning. learning. Yeah. yeah. And that's just me taking a little bit extra effort. It's not, right. not a waste. And that's why we say start the kids in kindergarten so that yeah. it's not right. so yeah. much as, as they get older. Yeah, I'm kind of torn on this one, too. I, I'm, I'm truly thinking about how much kids already know and how much we take for granted that they know. Even like um, open this up, like go to file safe. Like, do you know where that is? Do you know how to get to that point? Do you know how to go on Teams and locate this file? Like, what is what does that even mean if they don't know anything? So really, like from square, that's why we have technology classes. Like I took yeah. a computer class because mm -hmm. you will have to learn those yeah. tools. Or so a it's typing a, class. Yeah. yeah. So it's about trying to teach two classes in one, kind of, to get all these tools. Yeah. yeah. But if you can figure out a way to do it. Yeah. That's... But a lot of it's like, okay, we're all on this page, and everybody <laughs> click right where I'm clicking. Everybody yeah. do it, and then running around the classroom, making sure everybody's clicking on the same spot. Yeah. Okay, do it. <laughs> running around the classroom, making sure everybody actually did it, and then okay, next step. <laughs> Yeah. I, yeah, I think I might choose the they know nothing. Yeah. Work, I mean, work on it. That's what I would choose. Ugh, that's tough. All right. Our next would you rather. This is actually a three-parter. They're getting more complex So instead of go. instead yeah. of would you rather two options, there's three options. Man, I okay. had a hard time with the last one. I know. <laughs> I'm glad you asked it because I was like, oh, I need to remember what that was. I think this is easy to follow. Would you rather have any classroom supply request you ask for. That's the first option. Have any supply, literally anything. Snap your fingers, it's in your classroom. Second option, be able to snap your fingers and have any person guest speak in your classroom at no cost, but it's only twice a year. Or last option, be able to take your class on any field trip once a year, 
all expenses paid for. <gasps> I think <laughs> Kelly knows what she's doing. So you have every supply you need, ever. All I need is a laptop. I need the kids to have a laptop. That's all I need. So that's that's supply. All the supplies you need. So if like a laptop's broken, you mean snap your fingers, another laptop shows up. Well, do I work in the district that I work? We in work now? in what we work with now. The next option again was just guest speaker. You can have anybody come to like teach something or get them hyped for something. You can have LeBron James come into your classroom to get them excited about U.S. history. Or it could be fictitious, or it could be someone maybe in the past, but that's twice a year. Or the final option would be once a year, go anywhere. Field trip. That's my favorite thing to do with kids. Does a field trip have to be educational? Can yeah. we go to one? <laughs> <laughs> can we go to Orlando? <laughs> I mean, it has to be organized as a school field trip. <laughs> okay, so Kelly felt pretty... Yeah. Certain about the field trip. Positive field trip. Kids are so different when they get out of the classroom. And it really almost doesn't matter where they get to go. Or if it's educational. Where have you been with the field Because I've never taken a class on a field trip. You yeah. have never taken a field trip? I have done more field trips than I care to admit. As a teacher. Like, actually, I take that back. One time in the middle school I used to work at, we went to Jacksu. That was the one time. And it was stressful being a Jacksu with kids the school mm -hmm. i worked at we took no less than five field trips every year all over the place I've but i've also a field trip. i think that's because you guys are secondary yeah that's, you High know when you have the same class yeah. all day long you know you can go somewhere and you know the that's your day bash, but that was it yeah that was it yeah <laughs> so where have you been on field trips kelly uh the zoo mosh um what is mosh for our listeners beach, out of jacksonville for kids to learn about beach cleanup what Oh, the Mosh. It's the Museum of Science and History. Nice. Where else? We've done, oh, we've Comer? done two. Yeah, we've done Another the Comer. Art museum. Um, we've fun. done, I've taken our pre-early college kids to FSCJ to learn about the college campus there, which is the Florida State College of Jacksonville. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we've done like fun things like Rebounders, which is a trampoline place. We've done a few of those. We've done mm. a go-kart place. Dang. We would do an eighth grade we, week. Can I go year. to Kernan? Or like, <laughs> I want to go to that middle school. My kids we take the wrong. Yeah. Kids. <laughs> My kids um, go to Darno Cookman, which is a medical magnet. So they've done field trips at the hospital and and got to dissect things and be in on a craniotomy. Oh. And uh, yeah, so no, thank you. really, no, it wasn't my cup of tea, um, but they thought that was really super cool. Yeah. I think I would go with the supplies because I worked at a private school and I really was super fortunate because I really did have everything I needed. And I knew that I could do some amazing things with my kids. I think I would go to the supplies too, um, because as a math teacher, I can think of all the calculators that I have lost along the way. <laughs> and those are not and cheap. They are not. And I remember always yelling at the end of the period, where are my calculators? <laughs> I could hear her from down the hallway. Yes. <laughs> where are my calculators? Like those little numbered pouches for like elementary school. I assigned every student a calculator. And at the end of every period, I look for my calculators. So that would have just been great. <laughs> I think I'm torn between that one and the the guest speaker, the supplies, I'm thinking like outside the box of like, what if I could just snap my fingers and all of a sudden like my desks are gone and I have a setup of couches and we can just have a discussion. That's like how much yeah. would the kids just in immediate reaction to want to have that conversation yeah. if they were in a more comfortable setting? I mean, that's, that's amazing. But I think, I think I'm going to go with the guest speaker only because 
there's been a couple times where we did have a guest speaker come to Sandalwood. There was one in particular that was a Holocaust survivor. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's interesting. And the kids were talking about that. And this was a 90, I think he was 94, 95 years old. And he was a, you know, slow talker, older man. But his stories that he told the kid, the kids were talking about this for the next like month and a half. That's awesome. And I could go back to it and talk about it when I was talking about other things and like the experiences and kids then took that and then said they had conversations with their grand their grandparents oh, about like things that they didn't know. I love that. So it was really cool to see. And I, I, the impact of that would be really special if I could get anybody and twice a year would be really cool. We could plan things around it. Yeah. And with you being a history teacher yeah. you, and saying that you could get people from the past, that, that would have be been cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'd go there. Okay, so that wraps up our Would You Rather segment for our dessert. And also, we'd love to thank Ashley for being with us today and playing Would You Rather. Thanks. Had a great time. Remember to follow us on Twitter at DCPS EdTechBytes to participate in this Would You Rather. Hashtag Would You Rather Bites to throw in your questions or your answers to some of the questions that we've got here today. Thanks so much for joining us today. And remember to follow us on Twitter to keep the conversation going. Until next time, I'm Mike. I'm Kelly. And I'm Kim. Thank you so much for listening to EdTech Bites. Bye-bye.